Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, Episode 7, The Whole Bible is True or Inerrant. And inerrant just means without error. So we talked in Episode 3 about um, how the 66 books of the Bible were agreed upon and put together into one book instead of being separate letters from the apostles that were passed around to the churches and copied and copied again over time. So if you want to go back and get into the individual, you know, 66 books and how those were compiled or agreed upon, then go back to episode three. However, what we're talking about today is the fact that if you choose to believe the Bible, you have to believe all 66 books or you're foolish to even pick one of them to believe in. It all comes down to basically pure logic. And uh, when you look at the Bible, the theme throughout the whole Bible, the Old Testament is there's a coming Christ to save the world. The New Testament was this is the Christ, Jesus Christ. So everything hinges on who Jesus Christ was. If you choose to believe the Bible, then you believe that Jesus Christ is God. You have to look at the words that he spoke and his 12 apostles who wrote the New Testament and you have to determine, okay, is this really the God that I'm choosing to follow or is he not? It comes down to this. Uh, Jesus was either God himself in the flesh or he was a raving lunatic. So let me explain. In John 8, 58, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. This was the name that God gave to himself when he first communicated with Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus called himself God. Mark 14, 61 and 62, uh, this is Jesus talking, says, But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So again, Jesus uses I am. And he also says, I am the son of man sitting on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. So he's referencing the prophecy from the book of Daniel, chapter seven, verse 13 and 14, where he is again proclaiming himself to the high priest to be God. If you choose to follow this man and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, you either believe that he is the God that he claims to be, or he's a liar. If he's a liar, then everything that he said and did, and the fact that he was tortured and killed on the cross, never mind when he rose again three days later, but if he was a liar and he was not God and he was willing to be tortured for that claim and killed, murdered, flogged basically so that his internal organs were like falling out of him as they nailed him to a, to a cross. That's insane. Any normal person that speaks a lie, probably at the first whip, even if they were a tough person, would say, okay, okay, well, I'm lying. I'm sorry. It's not true. And they would recant and maybe get a quick death or maybe be set free. Jesus did not. He held it to the very end that he is God. He was speaking the truth. And then he rose again on the third day and he was seen by I want to say it was over 400 different people 
uh, many different manuscripts affirm that he, after he had died, his body disappeared and people saw him walking around. Either he is this miraculous God that defeated death and his words were true, or he was a raving lunatic who lied to people. So on that note, Jesus is God. And why should we believe the whole Bible as opposed to not believing it? Well, Jesus himself being God, he talked about the Old Testament and affirmed that it was true. In Matthew 5, 17 and 18, he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, which are books of the Bible. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The law is the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the Old Testament is full of the books of the prophets. Jesus was affirming that those are true and the prophecies contained in them would be fulfilled if they hadn't been already. So that's the Old Testament. And then Jesus confirmed the New Testament as well. In Mark three thirteen to 15, it says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and called unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. The preaching that they did was oftentimes by letter to the churches, which became the New Testament Bible. Then at the very end, before he went back into heaven, this was after he was crucified and he came back to life and he's walking around with them. Um, in Mark 16, 15 through 20, it says, He said unto them, and this is to the twelve, uh, or it would have been eleven at that time because Judas Iscariot was no longer one of them. He had killed himself. And Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new languages. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So, the New Testament was confirmed. These, 12, these 11 uh, remaining apostles went and preached, wrote letters. Those letters were confirmed by the signs and wonders that they did. Everyone knew who these 11 people were, and their works were written down and compiled into the Holy Bible that we use today. So here's the important thing. If you read the whole Bible and you're like, well, I disagree with that one like that verse or that sentence. So I'm not going to believe that. Okay, it's, you have a free will, right? But we know that Jesus himself said that these books, the Old Testament and the New Testament, were God's word, his, his way of revealing himself to humanity. We are either putting ourselves above God and saying, no, 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 this is not that important, or I don't believe what God said, or... We are choosing to justify our unbelief by saying, well, this particular book or this particular chapter or this particular sentence, it's, it doesn't belong 
because it doesn't fit with science or it doesn't fit with what I think history is or it doesn't fit or I read somewhere on the internet or I read in a commentary somewhere that this was not really part of the Bible. If you can say that, then what's to say that I can't pick a verse or a chapter or a book of the Bible and say the same thing? And if you don't believe a chapter and I don't believe a verse and my friend doesn't believe a book, and someone around the world decides not to believe another verse, and someone else decides not to believe another chapter, don't you think that in the nine billion people in this world that there's probably somebody that doesn't believe every single verse in the Bible? How do you know which ones are accurate and which ones are not if you can go anywhere and find somebody who can say that they don't believe part of it because of this reason or that reason? So when you open yourself up to not believing a passage in the Bible, you have basically unraveled your entire faith because then who is to say that any of the other passage is also um, full of errors or is wrong or should not have been included? We as human beings do not have the right to pick and choose. You either believe the whole Bible or you should not believe any of it. How then do we deal with problems? For example, contradictions, um, individually held beliefs or, or deep convictions about something or something that's just beyond reasonableness. You look at it and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Impossible to understand concepts. Contradictions. All right. So you have to understand that the Bible interprets the Bible, meaning that we use context to understand something. It's just like any other book that you would read. So for example, the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, one of them says, thou shalt not kill. Right in the English language, it says, Thou shalt not kill. And yet, elsewhere in the Bible, God told the Jews to kill people, wipe out that whole city, every man, woman, and child. Or this person was a murderer and he should be put to death. So, people will tell you that that's a contradiction. The Bible says to kill, and then it says in one of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not kill. Well, you have to use common sense in regards to context. The context of Thou shalt not kill, if you look at the places that word is used for kill, in other parts of the Bible and in common language of the day, it's actually a reference to the word murder, which is unjustified killing. So thou shalt not commit an unjustified killing or murder. It doesn't mean thou shalt never take a life because elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus himself and others advocated for standing up and defending your home, your private property, defending the fatherless and the widows, carrying a sword, which was one of the most powerful weapons of the day. So essentially today it would be carrying a gun. There are many reasons. Oh, war. I didn't obvious. That's kind of an obvious one. There are many reasons that we should kill people. And that would be a justified killing. That is not a contradiction. You have to look at the context and understand what it's talking about. Let's take the example of Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is an American icon, played baseball, made it into the Baseball Hall of Fame, hit a lot of home runs. So if he did an interview and he was talking about running home, scoring a, you know, a point in the game of baseball, a hundred years from now, if you go back and you read that script and where Babe Ruth said that he ran home and you say, we don't play baseball anymore, you've lost that historical context. And you think he's talking about literally running to his mama's house for some reason or other. Then you have interpreted his words incorrectly. It's not a contradiction 
based on other things that have been said in that interview. It's that you didn't understand the game of baseball. So that also goes to grammatical context. The same words for I ran home in baseball is also used for kids playing tag and they ran home to their mom because they scraped their knee. Same exact words, but the grammatical context is way different. It also is the, um, the immediate context. If you look at the immediate context as to what is going on around those particular words, you could see that Babe Ruth was doing an interview about baseball at a baseball game. So the immediate context there is, oh, it's talking about a game. He's not running home, right? In the biblical terms, you have to look at a word or a sentence or a, or a verse in the grammatical context. Is it using a metaphor? Is it uh, normal language? You also have to look at the historical context of what was happening at the time and in which country and in which language it was being used. You have to look at the immediate context, the verse in front of it and the verse after it to see what is being talked about. Then you also have to compare that to the overall context of Scripture, like I was talking about on the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not kill. Overall, with Scripture, does that fit? So the Bible actually has zero contradictions when you understand how to interpret using context. So that's very important as well. The second thing is going to be private beliefs. Okay, so For instance, some people in America believe that the verses that talk about modesty mean that you're not allowed to wear lipstick. So you have to understand that if the Bible doesn't mention something or, or it doesn't get specific about how to do something, like dressing modestly, then that falls under your own private beliefs and personal convictions in your spirit. But you cannot teach other people that the Bible says something that it doesn't say about lipstick. So it's not up to you to interpret scripture. It is up to you to apply it to your life. But the Bible says what it says, not what you think it means. So 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's not what does that verse mean to me, but it's what the words actually say and mean given the proper context. I don't care what it means to you. I want to know what God means when he said those words. And the third problem area that people have is the impossible to understand things that are beyond human reasoning. For example, the virgin birth. That's scientifically impossible. There cannot be a birth from a virgin. So we accept that it was a miracle and we have faith in God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the things that we don't understand yet, either because we are just ignorant of certain things, because we haven't learned it yet, or because it's impossible to understand as a human being, such as the Trinity. Three parts to the Godhead, but it's only one person. And you can find that scattered throughout the Bible. What about salvation? Going to heaven where it's free, your own free will. You can choose to follow God. And other verses that talk about Jesus choosing you before the foundations of the world and that you were elected. What about Jesus walking on water? So these are things that when you come to them, they don't make sense. 
And for you to discount it and say, well, what that really means is, you know, you're not supposed to wear lipstick or Jesus walked on a hidden path under the water and he was walking on rocks. The Bible just says he walked on water. It doesn't really mean it. Things like that are dangerous because you as a Christian are discounting scripture merely because you don't think it's possible. So when you get to those things that are beyond human reasoning, you have to just accept it by faith that God knows what he's talking about even when you don't. Thanks for listening. Sorry we went a little bit long today. Please tune in on Thursday for our next episode and have a great day. Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, Episode 7, The Whole Bible is True or Inerrant. And inerrant just means without error.